Hello and welcome to this special podcast on the Lancet Countdown on Climate Change Project. I'm Richard Lane and I'm talking to very much the chief guru behind the collaboration that goes on between the Lancet and colleagues at University College London and that is Dr Nick Watts. Welcome Nick, you've just had an important interim meeting held in London on March the 13th and 14th. I say it's interim because the Lancet, we're not publishing anything right now but obviously we published the Lancet Climate Change Commission back in 2015 and then there was the countdown paper that we discussed back in November 2016 so just four months ago and we anticipate more content and more coverage in the Lancet later this year but the reason we're talking is as I said you've had this interim meeting held over two days in London just tell us a bit about this meeting what what was the point of this meeting to update to bring all these agencies from all over the world together to to track progress because we should say this is not a straightforward linear project there, there are different sub projects going on in parallel can you briefly summarize where we are. The Lancet Countdown as a, as a project is really the continuation of, of what's been probably a 10-year history that the, the Lancet, the medical journal, has had in the space of health and climate change. In 2009, there was a commission uh, put out talking about the health impacts of climate change, coming to the conclusion that many of these uh, had the potential to undermine the last 50 years of gains in public health that we'd seen. In 2015, uh, a second commission came out saying, yes, these impacts on, on health from climate change were, were real, were potentially, uh, potentially very dangerous, but that the response to climate change could be one of the greatest global health opportunities of the 21st century. And this is because when you look at everything that you want to do to respond to climate change, it turns out that quite a lot of it is just sensible, cost-effective public health interventions in its own right. So this is cleaning up your air, encouraging healthier diets, more livable cities, physical activity. And what the Lancet Countdown is looking to do is track that transition, track a world that is moving away from climate change as a threat to human health to climate change as the response to climate change as an enormous opportunity for human health. And so this meeting was really about getting down into the nuts and bolts of how we do that, exactly what indicators we can and should track, how we deal with the gaps in the data, and how we deal with the enormous variation that you get between countries, between cultures, and between populations. Thank you, Nick. And we should say that uh, some of the footage from the meeting we're going to, to put on our Lancet uh, Countdown webpage. So do go to lancet.com for more details on that. There isn't time, Nick, obviously, to go into too much detail on this podcast. But could you just tell our listeners as well the type of dimensions through which we are addressing this project. As I indicated, this isn't just a straightforward linear project. It's multifaceted. There are there are five white papers you're calling them, aren't they? So there are five specific areas within the project that you're focusing on. As you say, looking at measurables, looking at metrics, looking at deliverables. Could you just give us a brief overview of, of, of these five key areas? You're exactly right. The project is broken into our five main working groups, and that's really where the work is The work is done for the collaboration. The first of these working groups looks at the health impacts of climate change, anything from exposure to extremes of weather through to the spread of infectious disease or the health effects on uh, food crops and, and then eventually on, on nutrition. The second working group is is more about the adaptation response. Once you have the impacts of climate change, how does a health system respond to these extremes of weather? And how do you make sure that uh, in the event of some of these multi-hit scenarios that climate change brings, that the hospital or the clinic 
is the last thing in a community that, that goes down. It's almost that anchor of, anchor of community resilience. The third working group uh, is looking at what we call the health co-benefits of mitigation. Effectively, this is getting at the heart of that opportunity I was talking about, that many of the things we might want to do, like phasing out coal-fired power and encouraging renewable energy, or phasing out old polluting vehicles and encouraging a cleaner, cleaner transport, is good for public health. It's cleans up the air, it encourages physical activity, and we want to try and capture some of those health co-benefits, capture the improvements in health that result from a low-carbon transition. The fourth working group looks at how we're going to enable all of this, so it's all about the finance and the economics of that transition. And then the fifth group looks at the political and public engagement, trying to get a sense of the extent to which political processes, the extent to which public opinion uh, is capturing and embracing the links between health and climate change. And so all of this work is conducted by the academics that are involved. And, and we're very fortunate to have collaborations from all across the world, from technical experts from China, Iran, Peru, the United States, the United Kingdom, but also from UN agencies like the World Health Organization, the World Meteorological Organization, colleagues from the World Bank at the meeting, and a variety of disciplines. You can imagine that covering through all of those different working groups. We don't just need health professionals. We need and we have engineers and economists and social scientists, as well as doctors and other health professionals contributing to this process. And what would you say were, were, were the major highlights from, from the meeting? I say this is an interim meeting, isn't it? This meeting was particularly exciting for us because, as you can imagine, this is quite a large project with, with over 60 academics and 20 academic institutions involved. And often they exist and they work within their working groups. But meetings like this are the first time when everyone gets to come together. And so the purpose of this meeting was to almost come to conclusion and consensus on what the indicators for 2017 will be. And so we plan on uh, publishing an update, tracking progress on health and climate change every year, just before the UN Climate Change Conference at the end of the year. And this meeting was about coming to coming to consensus on exactly what we would be doing for 2017. Now let's have a listen to some of the contributors from the meeting. I'm part of the working group number three, so co-benefits of mitigation. Stella Hartinger, University Peruana Cayetano in Lima, Peru. One of the things or a few things that actually are related to Peru is the um, access to clean energy, which is actually changing now in Peru. We're having a shift towards cleaner energy. We are very big in renewable en energies. Another key issue about the indicators that are being described here is exposure to ambient air pollution and potentially to indoor air pollution. Peru or Lima is one of the most contaminated cities with ambient air pollution in Latin America. So we have a lot of CO2, este, NOx and SOx related to traffic. For indoor air pollution, este, which could be potentially an indicator or a new indicator, 93% of our rural populations actually cook with biomass fuels, which are responsible for a lot of the indoor air pollution conditions in Peru. This is not a topic that's really discussed in Peru. It's something that we know it's there, but we don't really know what's going to happen or what actually is or how could it affect us. Right now are in a, an El Niño, so right now we're having an El Niño and we are experiencing flooding in the north and droughts in the south. And this has many consequences that we, our government can't deal with right now. And finally for this podcast, the thoughts of The Lancet's Editor-in-Chief, Dr Richard Horton. 
For us at The Lancet, this partnership with Countdown on Climate Change and Health is a really critical part of our future. Um, we were involved in a countdown process on women's and children's health that began in 2003 and we've had the privilege of seeing how powerful it can be when you bring scientists together around great metrics and use that evidence as a powerful instrument for advocacy and political change. We know it can be done, we've seen it being done in the incredible results in reducing child mortality over the past decade. So I know that we can do the same here. The challenge is greater. I mean, it's a much more difficult challenge to persuade people around something that seems very abstract, like climate change. And one of our challenges, I think, is to humanise this agenda, to show how issues around climate and planetary health are really affecting the lives of people in countries. That's perhaps our biggest challenge over the next year or two, because only when you show how really important it is in the lives of people do you begin to change the minds of politicians. And that's our ultimate goal, of course. We're trying to get a committed generation of political leaders who will change the trajectory of their countries. And that's a massive ask. It's a, it's a civilizational response. And I'm not sure anybody's ever been able to do that in the history of humankind. So, and we've got to do it in one century. So the challenge is massive. But I do believe that science has that power and ability to be able to affect that kind of change. And for The Lancet, we are super proud to be partners in this process. We could never have done anything like this alone. We've got some wonderful people we're working with. And if we can use the journal as a platform to project this in a credible, technical way, then we are totally in for this out to 2030. So let's do it.